When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 384 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, host of Waking Up to Narcissism, Murder on the Couch, Waking Up to Narcissism, The Question and Answer. And one quick plug, please go check out the Linktree link in the show notes. And my marriage course, the Magnetic Marriage course, is about to be up and running again. And it has been updated and it is back and better than ever. So I would love to have you learn how to communicate more effectively in your marriage. So just find that that link and you'll be hearing more information soon. But I want to get to the interview today. Today, I am interviewing a legitimate filmmaker, Reed Harkness. Reed was kind enough to come on the podcast and talk about his film, Sam Now. And I thought the best way to give an introduction to the film itself is to go over to the words of a legitimate film reviewer. So from RogerEbert.com, Matt Zoller Seitz wrote a review of the movie Sam Now, and he gave it four stars. But there's two paragraphs that I wanted to read, maybe three paragraphs from this review. And then, and then we'll get to that interview because I have so many thoughts about this. This movie is, well, let me read, let me read from Matt from RogerEbert.com. He said, Sam now is a gentle, empathetic movie that will be unbearably intense for viewers who fear abandonment, but that might prove to be healing or at least enlightening if they can stick with it to the end. Constructed of home movies and family interviews spanning 24 years, director Reed Harkness's documentary tells a painful and complicated story from his own life. His stepmother, Joyce, disappeared one day in 2000 without warning or any further contact or explanation. And even though they were separated, her leaving shocked her husband, Randy, and their sons, Sam and Jared, who were in elementary school at the time, and Reed, then a teenager. And I will link to the review in the show notes as well because it's wonderful. But I would highly encourage you to watch the movie, listen to the interview, and then go back in and read the review because he does go into a lot of detail in the review. But one of the things I think is that was so powerful, and, and this next paragraph sums it up, but it says, most of the film's emphasis is on the family Joyce abandoned, especially Sam, whose sweet smile and open face start to seem more haunted as the tale goes on. But let me add in there, there's enough humor, and there are just so many powerful moments that I, I, I hope this doesn't sound like this is just a doom and gloom kind of movie, because it's not. It is, it's beautiful, and it's magical, and it's funny, and it's powerful, and it makes you laugh and cry, and all of the emotions, which as a therapist, I appreciate that. It's nice to be able to feel a lot of different things and sit with that and see what it brings up for you. But it says much of the first half is about Reed and Sam embarking on a two-person odyssey to find Joyce, playing private detective by diving into search engines and questioning friends and relatives, including Joyce's mother and aunt. But here's the main part. It surely didn't occur to either of the young storytellers that they were doing something that most of their elders wouldn't be skilled enough or emotionally tough enough to do. But everything about their quest is astounding, including the nerve and faith required to embark on such a journey in the first place. The incisive questions that then 20-something Reed asked various interviewees who knew Joyce and were destroyed by her disappearance. The raw honesty and perceptiveness of the answers he gets even from subjects who resist his probing. And most of all, the openness and emotional transparency of his brother, leading man, and best friend Sam. So I would encourage you to listen to the interview. Go Find the movie Sam now, and I think that watch it and then come back, maybe even listen to the interview again. And I'm going to record a little bit more after the interview that just some additional thoughts that I had that I'd hoped that we would get to in the interview with Reed, but we just simply ran out of time. They may make sense out of context, but I think that there's some just really fascinating things that I pulled out of the movie. And so I would love to get your feedback. If you've seen the movie or after you do see the movie, please reach out to me at contact at tonyoverbay.com. Let me know what you think and send in your questions. And maybe this will spark another another podcast episode where we can talk more about attachment or emotional immaturity. And maybe we can even coax Reed back on. Let's get to my interview with Reed Harkness, the director of Sam Now. Come on in, take a seat. 
Harkness. Welcome to the virtual couch, eventually to Waking Up the Narcissism and then any other podcast franchise that I maintain, because I really was that impressed with the movie and I'm really excited to have you on here. So I want to share this shout out from the rooftop. So thanks for coming on. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to kind of claim the whole healthy ego or I've done four or 500 podcasts. So I have a lot of people that are maybe listen or familiar with my stuff. So this is where I want to just let you know I prepared and and maybe you're dealing with people that prepare all the time. But I like to think that I just like that vibe, the back and forth. But man, when I started watching Sam now, and I'm going to re- look over on a, another screen often because I found myself wanting to just be and listen and take it in. But I was furiously taking notes and quotes and going back. And because I, I mean, there are people, so there are people in my women's Facebook group that mentioned it and they just said, this has been incredible. And then true story. And I promise I will let you talk soon. Then I said, I felt like I was doing a flex as the kids say. And I, and I just said, oh, let me see if I can reach out and get him on the podcast. But I, I thought, well, he probably won't respond. You did. I felt so validated. And so then the interview was, was drawn near. And I thought, man, I really want to do this the right way because I love documentaries. And people in this group that I trust said it's powerful. And, and then it really was. And so then the therapist in me just, you know, I went from, oh, this will be a great podcast interview to, holy cow, this is what I deal with as a therapist every day. And so I just really appreciate the, the content that you put out. Thank you so much. Yeah, that means a lot. Um, you know, I, it's been a, a crazy long journey, labor of love project for me. You know, I've had to wear very many hats. Um, yeah. I'm a family member. I'm a documentary filmmaker. I'm an artist. Also, I'm somebody that, you know, has, has dealt with uh, a fair amount of, of really difficult relationships. So some of that gave me the fuel to dive really deep into these ideas and themes. Well, okay. A couple of things I thought were just phenomenal is the fact that you, when did you first have your love of film? And I mean, you were that kid that looks like was running around filming. Were you filming everything? And, And at what age did that start? When did you know that this is what I just wanted to do? Hmm. Such a good question. I mean, the earliest memories I have of, of doing that were I used to make little movie sets with like <laughs> garden snails before I ha- ever had access well, to a camera. Good. Okay. Um, but then after that, I would make movie sets out of clay without a camera. Wow. And then when the claymation specials were going on, the Will Vinton and all that. Yeah. And then my first camera was a PXL 2000, which was this amazing Fisher Price camera that took audio cassette tapes and you could make videos with them. Wow. But like a friend borrowed it and broke it like a week later and I was so devastated. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get my hands on another camera. And it was really my grandmother's VHS camera that was like my first love for like, you know, a camera I could actually use. And my cousins and brothers and I would just spend hours making <laughs> Just shooting these videos, scenes. It was almost like a cross between Saturday Night Live and, you know, some unscripted just like hitting each other with sticks. Uh, (laughs) You know, sometimes we'd, you know, like we'd have more of a concept, you know, a storyline. And sometimes it was just like, hey, this would be fun. And then improv um, almost. Yeah. Elements of, you know, jackass or something too, where it's like, we're just doing goofy prank like things. But, but also, but, but then there's like moments where we're like that tip into like making art. And that's the direction I ended up going. I was like, you know, I want to, I want to try to make films. I want to try to make like, and I was inspired. I went to a lot of art house cinema, even as a young person, my grandmother would take me and I, I was really inspired by foreign films. And really? I, I think I, yeah. And I had seen Michael Apted's Up series at, at a really young age, and that inspired me. So as wow. like 18, 19, I start making these films with my younger brother, Sam. He's my half-brother. Mm-hmm. And that's the beginning of our journey. <laughs> well, and I, what I dig about this, too, and if I'm going to pull the, the therapist card out a lot here today, is that I, I often talk about the concept of, you know, you get your, your sense of self from external validation as a kid and whether that's a good or a bad thing. And so do you feel like, yeah, were you getting that validation? Were you getting that, that support? Or were you hearing a lot of times where, Hey, that's a fun thing to do, but it will never turn into anything. Or were you, or were people going, 
yeah, that's nice, Reed. Yeah, you'll be a filmmaker someday. Sure. Now, now go go out and film the snails. My mom is a is a potter. She works in clay, and she does both like pottery and clay art. So she okay. makes you know sculptures and things. And so I had that influence, and and knew that you know being a working artist was. A, a modality that okay. could happen. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but the film stuff, there was a lot of resistance. I mean, there was like a lot of, I, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, like funneled into film school. I didn't feel like I had money to attend anything like that. I I didn't have any film classes or anything. So I was mm-hmm. making it, I was like making it up and <laughs> really, really forging my way in a, in a world that was unknown. And that that kind of like meeting of resistance was was kind of the thing that was the most liberating because okay. um the films that i would make you know my brother was the the star <laughs> subject we we would go on these epic adventure road trips to shoot these little super eight uh experimental films that were really about these ideas of growing up. Did you have that goal the entire time? And, and I have this later, but let's talk about it right now. Why the blue Panther? I mean, was that your way to get Sam to do the things you wanted him to do to take on this alter ego or what was, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. So yeah, the, the movies were, (laughs) yes, they were about like growing up themes. I was, you know, still a teenager. I was like still, recovering from a lot of the and, and understanding the experience I'd just gone through, still growing up personally myself, and then and then trying to work out some of these ideas through film. And Sam okay. was my 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 actor. And then the Blue Panther character is a character Sam made up one day. And he started making his own films about that character. Okay. Um, and and then there's a point that's introduced in the movie where he wants to use that character. He like wants to use it in our next film. And <laughs> well, I just shoot back at him. How about the blue Panther finds his mom? Um, okay. Which was the beginning of our conversation about what do we do about this big elephant in the room of my stepmom, Sam's biological mom has been missing for about three years. Which that, okay, and that gets us into it. And boy, I have to then say one of my favorite scenes though was the Blue Panther. What was it? It was at UCLA or USC going into the, how hard was it to get the lady to go along with that scene? The lady behind the counter. Was that difficult or was she, was she on board right away? Full disclosure. That's an actor. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, thank so you. these are, okay. so yeah, the, um, a little bit of a spoiler. The, yeah. the Blue Panther the sequences are, reenactments that were shot like a year and a half after we go on this road trip. Okay. We were shooting like a lot of film on the road trip, but we interweave in the movie. So as I said, the, the, the way that this comes about of like this, how we approach this elephant in the room is how about the blue Panther finds his mom. What we end up actually doing is going on a, a road trip with our real, selves okay in a in my dad's borrowed minivan and driving all the way from seattle to southern california with barely any evidence or any clues about where you know where she could be and i felt like it was most authentic to follow through with what we said we would do which was how about the blue panther finds his mom yeah and so we also shoot that as a a little bit of lighthearted relief to this like kind of very intense thing, yeah. but it's also, it also helps you understand our, our fictional world, which yeah. I think adds to the personality, the sort of like characteristics of who we are, what we're up to. Well, Rick, so, can, I, can I tell you, I, and I gotta be honest, I mean, I've done a lot of interviews. I've never really interviewed a filmmaker and I, films were my happy place. I mean, I, I love them to this day. I worked at a movie store or a video rental store while I went through college. I had a dollar theater when I was away at college, far from home, and I would disappear into movies. I mean, the, and and then I love documentaries, which I think is a big reason I became a therapist. I mean, I'm having a cathartic moment right now. But but just the I really hearing this is so amazing because the way you laid it out, it makes sense. And it was really it was it was beautiful. And it made such a difficult topic 
I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. And I found that that was a really fascinating thing. So I love hearing this behind the scenes. And, yeah. and so now, right. So maybe if we get to that and you, you talked about it a little bit and I'm sure I probably talked about it in the opening, but how old was Sam when, when his mom disappeared and it literally was just, she was just gone, right? Yes. Yeah. So beginning of his freshman year of high school. Wow. Um, she disappeared like out of the blue and. It was like, just like gone in the night, you know, no, and and no notes or no information was given to, to my brothers about her, her leaving, where she had to go, why she had to go. And this is, you know, all coming at a point when they had a stable connection with her where, you know, they, she was divorced from my dad, but they were just going between houses and, and, and Seattle and, you know, I had a good relationship with her too. And my last memories before she left were like picking up Sam to go shoot one of our little films. And, wow. and I remember her being really supportive and encouraging of that. And, you know, like, I'm so glad that you're taking Sam out to do these things. And it wow. just, she just seemed, she seemed happy and comfortable. And in my, you know, teenage mind, I, I didn't see anything strange about the picture. And tell me if I'm remembering this correctly, but she disappeared for, was it a few months, came back and then disappeared again for the years? Yes. So and that this, also that, happens. Yeah. But it was you, the first time had a story to it that was like she was going on a, to a, like a seminar. She was going on a, a to do a thing, you know, and okay. I think it was something like a seminar or something that was, or some work mm-hmm. that, or something involved in some, she was, she had gone back to school and was doing studies and going to the seminar that was connected mm-hmm. to that. So I think the first time our family felt like it was like, okay, that, that, that makes sense. She's going on a a retreat, you know, and going to do something she wants to do. But the next time was like completely different. And, and, you know, and it was weird because you stayed away for longer than we expected. But like the next time was like, okay. And it was really an extension. You know, it was like she was back for just a short time and then she was gone again. So then did that, I don't know, was there a thought that something nefarious had happened or because of that, she had been gone and came back that it must be that. And I think this maybe gets into the theme of the, I, I've got a bunch of quotes down about where people don't really talk about things. I mean, one of the most powerful moments yeah. I think is when you came back and gave that speech when everybody was celebrating the cousins video game tournament or, you know, so I don't know. I, I know I'm asking maybe rapid fire things, but yeah. Did you think that, oh my gosh, true crime has happened or, or. Yeah. At that moment I was really, I was really concerned. And I, th- I think other people in the family were really concerned too. So eventually our family contacts the police like uh-huh. you know it's been a, a number of days it's been you know some some time and they contact the police in seattle and a missing persons detective gets on the case wow. like that's that's what happens in a situation like this now what, what was surprising was in like not that long like maybe a week this detective gets back to our family and says to them Okay, we found her. She's not being held against her will. Wow. And she doesn't want to talk to any of you. What do you remember about that? What did that feel like? It felt like, uh, like, what does this mean? Okay, so she's, it's, it's not true crime. It's not the sort of like she's kidnapped or anything like that. Like, okay, she's, she just doesn't, doesn't want to talk to us. So it, it left this strange feeling like, Okay, she'll come back when she's ready, maybe. Or yeah. how is this? How is this going to work? You know, because yeah. I understand the idea of like needing space or needing a break or wanting to like just you know check out for a little bit. But what ended up happening was like years pass. With that was the last word, and my brother Jared, who's a little yeah. older than Sam, like gets super depressed. Sam is like stuffing his emotions and getting into this, you know, he's really active in sports and he's he's got a lot of good friends, but he's also like, you know, totally avoiding the whole thing until we like bring it up in conversation and then we we'll go on this road trip. And then it's like, okay, then it starts to, it starts to unravel. He starts to look at it 
And well, was there you know, was there pushback about the road trip? And here's some, and it's interesting. I, I thought these quotes would make so much sense at the time I was taking them, and I think they're a little bit in chronological order. But I've got in here this interview with Jared, and and the question: Does it feel like she doesn't care? And I think he said sometimes, but it still doesn't fit because she never had acted this way before. And and I felt like you did a nice job capturing him, just trying to make sense of this thing that that doesn't make sense. And I think that we just want that our brain is so uh, adorable that way. Of if I can make sense of this, then then it will, I will feel better, but I, I don't know if that's possible, you know, at that age or with the way that it played yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was something that stuck with me is like, it didn't make sense to me either. And hearing it from Jared, it's, it's like, I mean, Joyce was like the original, you know, primary attachment for both of the, those kids, I would say like, you know, she was, yeah. she was there, she was present, she rocked them as babies. And so and Jared was probably of of Jared and Sam, um, uh, probably a little more tightly bonded with her. Like mm. they just really connected intellectually and over Jared was like the academic in our family. So like when Joyce was gone, he shut off all that stuff. He just yeah. like, was like, I'm not gonna do school, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna access that part of myself Man. or something. I don't I don't I don't know exactly what was happening for him, but it it appeared that way. And, yeah. um, so when, I, when you go to the attachment wound stuff, it's the, I always talk about from a kid standpoint, you know, everything is coming from their lens. And so they don't have necessarily this, I always say a little kid's almost, or not even, he wasn't a kid, teenager, but they're almost like narcissistic by nature because the mm. world is about them. So, you know, they don't understand what other people's situations are. So then if somebody leaves, it must be me. I mean, I must be, I must be the mm. problem. And I, and it just breaks my heart for that because, you know, it's hard to, to not view that from your own lens as then I'm, if I would have done something better, you know, if I would have, and, and that's somebody that's worked with a lot of teenagers. I mean, I can even have a couple get a divorce and you go back in their thirties or forties and say, okay, now that you know, is there still a part of you that still could find yourself saying, mm. yeah, but if I would have been a little cooler, you know, if I'm able to mm. clean my room up a little bit more, or if I would have, you know, even if they know that's not the case. And I feel like that just so shows like how deep those attachment wounds could be. And so, mm. I, man, I wondered when I was watching that, I just I felt like I was trying to look behind his eyes and see if that was, you know, him trying to process that. And I often feel like when somebody stops doing things they were good at, that it, it is that proverbial cry for help of, I don't know how else to get it, anybody to notice that I'm in pain, but then you go to try to help them and, and then they, well, I don't want the help. I mean, did you feel like that was happening with Jared? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, the... Like what you described at first was like confusion, you know, like he was yeah. just severely confused by how his mom could do this in this yeah. way. And it was like, but he had no way to get any resolve on that. None. And, the, and then Sam did more or less the opposite thing. Like he didn't lean into his confusion. He just avoided it completely. Yeah. And so both of those brothers were like having really different experiences through this. And they also pushed each other apart because they were, you know, Sam viewed Jared as sort of depressed and negative energy. And Jared viewed Sam as kind of this like toxic optimist, you know? Oh, and, yeah. Okay. You know? And so they were sort of like, they were just sort of repelling each other at the same, when they're having this totally shared um, yeah. trauma. Yeah. Well, and read, if I read through and I'll maybe just blast through the, here's the, the next quotes that I have, I think are so fascinating. This Ned cousin says, <laughs> the way, the, right. The way situation with Joyce has been dealt with, it hasn't been dealt with and it seems malicious. They'll be dealing with the rest mm -hmm. of their life. Then I've got in here and I didn't catch your name of the aunt. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to step on toes, you know, and then this comment, the best thing for Randy, your dad to do was to ignore it. And dad choosing not to, to sue or anything for child support. And then Randy saying, and man, I, I had so much empathy for him, especially by the end where, but in that moment he said she was a good mother to her kids. And then, you know, I have in my notes, other than the fact that she disappeared off the face of the planet, you know? So, I mean, I, so I feel like that almost gives that vibe of, we kind of don't talk about it. We kind of want to polish it up a little bit. I don't want to make anything awkward or step on anybody's toes. And I, and I felt like that you just did such a nice job of in this real quick moment of, of encapsulating how the family maybe deals with things. And I love hearing, I mean, it breaks my heart, but hearing how you say even the two brothers having the shared trauma, it's this complete polar opposites. So that's so much right there happening. Mm. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of when you get into family dynamics yeah. really quickly, there's like a lot of a lot of them going on. You know, there's a lot of different <laughs> connection points and ways yeah. that, you know, people are affecting each other. So yeah, this is this is strange. It's like, you know, here's one part of my filmmaker brain is like, let's make these playful films and another is is like what's going on here, you know, and, and the what's going on here led me to into this family silence concept. Like, yeah, why, why don't we address, you know, it's clearly uncomfortable for everyone in the family. Yeah. Why can't we like get into it together and figure out <laughs> ways to create connection? And I think that the, you know, there were closed door conversations, but we weren't able to bring Sam and Jared into mm. the collective discomfort of the yeah. situation in well a way said. that, that, that would maybe help them see that like they weren't so alone. Yeah. Man. And, and again, you did, you did an amazing job of capturing all that because it was such a, an amazing experience watching all that play mm. out. Meanwhile, as you, this playful filmmaker, it just was, I, I can't even tell you. Again, the therapist in me, the movies are my happy place. And then loving documentaries, I don't think there could be a better combination. And then I like That's what you cool. said, that that collective discomfort. Because I talk so often on my podcast about when that concept alone, what do we do with our discomfort? You know, do we do we ignore it? Do we tell other people it isn't a big deal? Are we? And then I think later in the film, it really comes up with that saying, hey, uh, if you didn't have a way to express your emotions, that it's really difficult to then try to just all of a sudden pull that up as a, as an adult. I mean, it's so yeah. wild. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something, I mean, it, I, I've wrestled with it personally too, you know? So it's like, uh, there's, there's a lot. I, I just, I've found as we've shown this movie to audiences, you know, like that's one of the things that people agree with the most or like, you know, it's, it's something that I think, exists in most families and yeah. it's it's something that it's almost strange that we at least in western culture haven't figured out yeah a way to evolve and do this i actually don't know the answer i just notice it as a as a, here's this this part of families where i would say this is where seeds are planted for more problems to arise yes and it's it's just fertile ground for more problems for for anyone. And I was just saying, like, okay, this person only, but yeah. like, well, Reed, that's where I mean, I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I got to tell you that again. I I'll stop saying the therapist in me, but there's a concept that we talk about so often in in therapy where we we often say, okay, I don't want to repeat patterns of my parents. And then you get to a certain point, and you're like, holy cow, I'm basically my dad or my mom. And then in this world of differentiation, which means, you know, where one person ends, the other begins, we're, we're almost like by default, maybe one level differentiated from a, a parent. And the only way to really change a dynamic or become a transformational figure and hmm. is to go through severe trauma or go really do a deep dive in your own, you know, therapy. And that's where I feel like, I feel like had you not, you and Sam not done this, I mean, and that's what I think I'd emailed you yesterday when I just mm. said, I am so excited to talk to you about this. And I shared a couple of quotes there that we'll get to, but had you not done this, then it would have just repeated the pattern. And then, so mm. it takes something big to then, to then shift a, I mean, it shifts an entire family dynamic or family system. And that's why I just felt like this is so powerful or else people just continue. Cause when you said, man, you're observing it as the therapist, again, I go back to that. What do we do with our discomfort? And, and too often we want to tell ourselves, I don't want it to be uncomfortable for the person that's going through the problem, but that's about me not wanting to be uncomfortable, you know? So then yeah. we just say, well, I don't want to bother that person. And I remember, I remember a neighbor of mine's wife died when I was in grad school and, and I did 10 years as a, in computer industry before I went back to be a therapist. And I remember one of the first times I thought, Oh, this is, this is powerful was everybody was just going up and, Hey, let me know if I can do anything. And I remember thinking, okay, everybody's just saying these platitudes because mm. they're thinking, I don't want to, I don't want, he's already dealing with enough. Mm. And I remember I just had a class on grief and I just said to him, Hey, what, what is this like? And then, Oh, the guy just broke down. He's like, this, this sucks. I never anticipated this, you know? And, 
And it was just felt like such a, you could tell it was such a cathartic or, or a relief for him to be able to express himself. Cause when we keep everything in our head, we just, it just swirls around and it can, it can devolve into the negative and it takes a life of its own. And then we typically default to it's a me thing and what's wrong with me. And I just feel like, man, the shared experiences and just being able to talk is so powerful. And again, that's why I just, now I want to promote your film as a mandate before, you know, going to therapy or, oh. you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that doesn't have any, you know, I'm not, I'm not a qualified therapist and nobody in the movie is, um, yeah. that, that I, that I know of, but that's what's really neat about it. It's following these chains of curiosity that, that I have as filmmaker, yeah. you know, through a very long amount of time. It's like over, over like two and a half decades of me following these chains of curiosity. And, you know, sometimes, it, what's really interesting about the movie, I think, is that with that time lapse view of yeah. of growth, you can really see these moments of like how age and and time like affects the individuals in the movie, including myself. Yeah. But it is so surprising. What you were saying, what hit me was like, okay, yeah, yeah, the curiosity and being able to just, I guess, help somebody feel seen, you know, yeah. is like, yeah. That's certainly enough. But in this storyline, I kind of, I go, I go really far into, it's almost like our, this sort of like radical connection process with Sam. I'm just like, I'm going to go all the way with you on this, you know, really long road trip to, you know, not knowing what we're going to find and like the, and be in this crazy place with you. And I think. Like, I can kind of see where all of those things are coming from and why I, right. I did all of the things. But, like, also, the movie does get to a place where some of that storyline gets brought into question, too. You know, like, like yeah. is that sort of compulsion for me to dive really deep into oh, things? Like, I is think. that, <laughs> does that eventually create disconnection? And I do think that that's also true. You know, like, while I do feel super tightly bonded with my brother Sam, there's a point where, like, the filmmaking was getting in the way. And, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I was kicking a dead horse, but it became a part of in our relationship. Like, having the camera became a part of a relationship that was creating disconnection. It wasn't, it was, it was no longer serving as sort of like, okay, this is a useful tool to help. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and man, that's right. Now I feel like I want to alleviate your discomfort, Reed, and tell you, you know, I still go back to this. To be heard is to be healed. And I feel confident just from my experience sitting in the therapy chair for almost 20 years of of that. If people don't get the stories out, that they don't eventually just work themselves out, that they grow and they grow and they become more negative and it And it has more of a negative impact, in my opinion. But I hear you. I mean, I appreciate what you're saying there so much because I have to ask you uh, real quick, too. Not real quick. I feel bad saying that, but now I feel, I realize I could talk to you for hours. And, uh, so when you guys met Joyce and again, you're, you just went on this road trip, not even know if you would see her and that, that scene, I wrote down these notes. Well, and I skip, I just have to say, I put in here Phil from Ray's boathouse when he said she was a fascinating person. And I was sworn not to mention that she was leaving to anybody for months and months. And I just, I don't know. Did that feel like when you heard that, was that a, a did you feel angry or frustrated with that or? Yeah. yeah, it's it's like I mean, there's a real mystery component to the in the movie, and I was playing like investigator at that point, and I was okay. I was having to like really Man. like find information, and it's on camera. It's like I'm I'm recording it so that I can go back, play back the tape to understand. Okay, is there is there anything in here that gives us any clues as to where she might be? Um, Which is crazy because you're you're a teenager at that point, right? Trying to help yeah. your your younger brother find his mom who disappeared, and then you got Phil saying, "Yeah, kind of wild. Huh? I've been keeping the secret for a long time." <laughs> and then I've got the note there. Finally, got the name out of him. So here's the again shaking this out of this guy. That's wild if yeah. you put it in that context, Reed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you know, there's like family secrets, and then there's like. The secret or, or sort of like we don't talk about this, you know, heavy stuff. And then there's all the other sort of pieces of like, oh, who might who might a person confide in? And like who, mm -hmm. you know, just this sort of like whole other if 
if there's an environment where, you know, people don't, don't feel comfortable being able to get through to like, just have, have a platform for expressing like their discomfort, like you yeah. said, like yeah. then where does that happen? You know? And Absolutely. it sounds like maybe in this situ- situation, it was like a coworker happened to be the one that was like, Hey, I'll listen. And, um, you know, so yeah. So this guy, like, you know, kind of lets me in on, on some stuff and, and that, leads us to this place of like, okay, you know, this is like really early in like cell phone technology. It was like brick phones, but we were like, okay, we're going to go meet this professor on his office hours, California state, long beach. That's what it was. Um, right. Yeah. We, had his, we found his office hours and we're like, we're going to go meet him. And that would be like the, the maximum chance of making a first step toward connection with Joyce, yeah. because we we're pretty sure that this guy knew something about, where she might be man and then that that scene alone of again going there and wh- wh- how how let down or disappointed were you guys making that road trip with that uncertainty and then finding that he had what he was on a sabbatical of sorts or <laughs> he was he the the what the receptionist said was he was on semi-permanent leave Gosh. um which you know, it was also mysterious but it, yeah but, you know i guess sounds a little bit like joyce you know Boy. Okay. Let me, let me run through a couple of this. So then you meet with her and I wrote these things too. I thought this was so interesting. She said, I see this as a way to control my relationship with you guys. Then she said, I had no control. I had to save myself. I had to get out of the control of everybody. Mm. You know, I'll go down in history as the woman who broke a lot of rules, but I'm happy. And again, this is just my, Mm. my opinion, but then I feel like, man, that is, you know, I can't imagine what that would be like for teenagers for Sam for you and she felt it appeared she seemed so very confident in what she was saying you know and I know you have to edit and I don't know how much or how long that conversation was but was there empathy at first I am so sorry or was it just hey here's the way it was the second thing um <laughs> yeah I think yeah I think she immediately went into that launched into that conversation as you saw it Man. and um yeah, it, it's, it was, it was a really, it's a really strange scene because, um, she's being really forthcoming to me and the camera. Yeah. And Sam is sitting right next to her and he's, he's pretty much like walling off and like <gasps> almost like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this right now. You don't have to, I don't need to hear this. And I think he actually blocked it out. Like, I think that he, okay, in that moment was like, this is stuff that I don't need to hear. And, you know, it was only later when we like watched the finished movie together that he was like, Oh, wow. That's what she said. You know? Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So almost like uh, going into the defense mechanism there of just, I, I, I can't hear that or I can't process that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure he like took away pieces of it, but you know, his intention wasn't to. You know, my intention was like, I was sort of taking the weight of like, you know, what you talked about with Jared, where it was like, how could she do this? And, you know, um, trying to find some of those answers at the same time as just making contact. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, and Sam's interest was more like, I just want to make contract. I, he said something like, it's not to like show that she's a bad person. It's like, it's just to like, you know, make contact and like let her know that she's wanted or something like that. Yeah. You know? And 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 I think that he was holding on to this energy that was just like, all I want is my mom back and then yeah. things will be good. You know, like Man, yeah. And we just yeah. can just like avoid all the stuff, like why yeah, well, didn't you it happen? Or, everything. Yeah. 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 So it's it's really interesting, you know, dynamics where it's like, okay, I'm really leaning into this place of like, well, What's going on? I'm also with Joyce. I'm really leaning in to tell me what happened, why, all that. And, you know, I'm thinking of Jared. I'm thinking of, you know, also for me, I also felt so confused by it and, yeah. you know, really hurt by the the experience because my family is all in turmoil over it. And I'm, you know, I have my own mom who's represented in the movie. Yeah. But I also felt like it was just so, you know, when you have a relationship with anyone and they're, like, and they're just gone... It's really strange. So I had yeah, a lot I don't of think curiosity. Many people can, yeah, people can. I don't think many people would experience that at all. That just, well, the, right? 
Yeah, yeah. but I, what I want to say is I was holding on to mostly this trip and this con- trying to connect with, with Joyce was about like Sam and Jared. And I was really tra- holding their wishes first as like, uh-huh. okay, Sam wants to connect with her. Jared wants answers. And so I'm trying to get answers while also not burning a bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And which is a wow. really hard line to walk because what she's saying in that moment was really hard to hear and like really infuriating because it's like, <laughs> I'm happy now. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, yeah. what do I do with this? You know, like, oh, right. um, and how old are you again at that time? I think I was like 20 or 21, something like wow. that. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. a lot. That's a but lot. It, that, it, yeah. Yeah. And and then it and then that's like a another like entry point where I just like keep keep going with that, you know. What yeah. what is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well then okay, and I wanna get to then maybe we've got two two poignant scenes or or other things, and then I'll make sure I cover a lot of this even maybe more. I'll I'll do a, a summary after our part uh, we where our interview is done, but you said, okay, when I got home, we celebrated my cousin George's participation in a video game tournament. I think he took like fifth place. And, and I, and you know, you had expected this almost like this hero's welcome and so confused that our family didn't want to acknowledge what had happened, that you had made contact with Joyce who had been gone. And then I just wrote in here, Reed started talking and, and you said everything was so heavy when Joyce's name was mentioned and what had happened was one of the bravest things that you had ever seen, what Sam had done. And that, that is a moment, Reed. I mean, that scene just. And then I feel like everybody was all of a sudden, no, no, it was really good. Yeah, that was that was great. But do you remember what do you can you just recall those feelings right now or Oh my God. <laughs> I think that like every once in a while, like, you know, I'll have an experience where I I step up to like say something to people and that is resurrected in me a little bit. Okay. And I'm just like, I have no idea why I'm stepping up to say something right now. <laughs> But I'm saying it and you just you just recognize that you're like beyond in the moment. You're like transcending into like, yes, the moment of the moment. And you're like, holy <laughs> crap, what is my body doing? What am I doing right now? And yeah. this is one of those where I had no idea what I was going to say. I thought I was just going to start telling people the story of our road trip just so that they could have an education of like yeah. what we what we just experienced. Yeah. But it became this, like, you know, I wouldn't say an eruption. I didn't get, like... I yeah, love what you're doing. You're, like, you were trying to but, hold the emotion but, back, but it but, couldn't. But it, it was... Yeah. I, yeah, I realized that the discomfort, you know, that yeah. we've been talking about is, like, yeah. so real that I had to kind of say it, and then I had to go into it. I had to, like, embody yeah. it. And I was just like, why is it so weird for us to have a conversation like this, you know, in the moment. And like, why is it that the adults, these are the adults and I was one of the youth. Why is it that I can see this and they can't, you know, like, yeah. I think they, I think there's, pro- I don't know if that's a common thing, but like, <laughs> the, do, it is. maybe I, the youth, I like where you're going. The yeah. youth can, can see these things, you know, like they can see where they're sort of like, okay, Maybe the the adults don't have the answers. Maybe they aren't the ones that like that, know all the things. <laughs> and, no, that's and, a moment. Yeah, yeah. So that's what was coming up for me is just like, oh, maybe they don't know. You know, like maybe they're just like totally unaware of what I've just gone through, and then what you know Sam's gone through. So like, what was you know also just so charged is we keep things light. You know, everybody's like, oh, a video game tournament, easy. Hey. We're gonna just laugh like, and tell just, jokes. Hey. Yeah, right? I mean, and, I love your and, scene where you're, like, over his shoulder and somebody's like, how'd you do? He's like, oh, like, fifth. Yeah. Like, we just came and, back from a freaking road trip seeing Joyce and we're celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it, but it's also, like, I, lo- I love George and I love that we're <laughs> celebrating that, too. Um, I, But I also, but I think that you can see there's a shot of George is getting a cake, yep. you know, presented to him. And Sam's sitting right next to him. Yes. Like, in his still road trip clothes, basically. Like, <laughs> you know, just, and he's just, like... Looking up at this maternal character that's just like doing all of the normal mom things and just being like, you know, I, it's, it's, 
It's so, okay. so confusing. <laughs> so what you said, though, what I think is so fascinating is when people have that moment where, oh, my, the adult people in my life don't actually have things figured out. And it may even be quite the opposite because there's a there's a concept I talk about often. It's called confabulation. And it's creating a, a new narrative, in essence, to then so that I don't, again, have to deal with discomfort. So it's almost as if they can't acknowledge that you had the success with the elephant in the room. I mean, in my humble opinion, because then it's almost like in real time, they would be processing Wait, so we could have done something about this uh, um, a couple of years ago. We could have gotten some resolution. We could have helped somebody out, you know, and here these guys just did it. And it's almost like, ah, I can't, I can't be. So I have to create the narrative of how about George, though, huh? You know, that uh, that tournament was something. You know, I feel like that's where we, you know, because it, it usually is the the younger person that then has actually done something that then I, this is where I just wish people could then, in uh, later, Sam talks about leaning into discomfort where it, and this, I talk so much about this read accountability and ownership. And it's okay to say, holy cow, like, I can't even believe you guys did that. I, I didn't think anybody could do anything. I didn't even think about doing anything, but, but that's, that would cause somebody yeah. to really have to say, wow, I am so sorry that we didn't do more because you guys did and you got results and that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I think that we started, I started to see that that shift and I started to see, you know, my aunt Cindy especially was really appreciative. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think it started to, I think that, you know, one of the other things about this sort of discomfort space that we were in is that also the adults knew something that I wasn't aware of, you know, they knew some things about Joyce that, that um, I wasn't aware of, nor were Sam and Jared. And that, there was probably levels of protection going on I can, uh, I can see for that. the kids around, you know, s- some things that they knew about, you know, and I, but I, but yeah. I still feel like it's just like, these are spaces where it's like, how do we start to have conversations like that earlier, you know? Like, exactly. And that's what your film is going to, it is going to cause that for other families. I, I recently had a couple that it was amazing. And they came on and talked about finding their daughter who had died of an overdose. And this couple laid out just the way that they wish they would have had some more conversations early. And I have to tell you, read the feedback on that episode alone. I mean, it's been overwhelming of how many people have said, okay, I just went and talked to my kid about, you know, this or mm-hmm. this, or, and that's where I feel like why this, this is just so powerful. I know mm-hmm. I have to go and I'm so, I so apologize. I have to tell you, a couple of things. I mean, maybe if even if you'd be up for coming on and again at some point, but that you said some powerful, you even said it after that. I don't think she needed to leave you guys. You know, I don't think you have to believe she did the right thing. And Sam said, I don't think there's a lot to be gained from thinking that she did the wrong thing. I mean, I could do a whole episode on that, you know, and then there was a part where Joyce, I mean, it was so interesting where she said, my mother and I never got along. We were always at odds. I, I always knew I was adopted. I was reminded that they had the option of sending me back to eat fish heads and rice at the orphanage. And you beautifully cut to the mom saying, I don't have any regrets. I mean, we never looked at her as being adopted. She was just one of the kids, you know? Yeah. And I thought that, what a difference there. And then, I don't know, it was just so crazy. But then the, the thing I thought was so powerful was Sam saying, okay, here it was a habit I picked up on. She wasn't very responsible with other people's feelings. And I was the same way for a long time that I could be doing what my mom did to people. And that would be awful. And then he said, a lot of it was being aware of the cycle you may be getting involved in that. I'm the one to make the decision to step out of that cycle, which I think is what you, I don't feel like things like that happen unless, you know, you do something like this, the movie you're bringing awareness to it. And, and then I love, this is where he just said, breaking up with a girlfriend. I wanted to ruin this before it goes bad. I wanted to step ahead and isolate myself. He said, I went to therapy. I was sober and it dug up a lot. And then he said, I have to start leaning into that discomfort or I'm going to be emotionally stunted my whole life. And I don't want that. And I just thought, man, but then, okay, I'm so sorry. Now I'm throwing everything out there because, you know, I know that I, I, again, I told you before we started, I wish I wouldn't have set up a client. And I think when we were going back and forth too, I talked about the waking up the narcissism podcast and then the virtual couch. And I'm going to run this on the virtual couch, but I'm going to also bonus it on the waking up the narcissism. Because you captured something that Joyce said that I have already referred to so, I mean, in the last 48 hours, so many times in sessions, but where Joyce said, you need people to engage with you. And the only way you know how to do it is at this one level. You get into this spiral. It's like the Tasmanian devil. You get whipped up and you can't get out of it. It's like a toddler who can't get out of it until you have some type of catharsis. You end up hurting somebody or hurting yourself and that stops it. 
that right there, I felt, I don't think I've ever, and I, this is the work I do where, you know, people will say, why on earth does the narcissist or the emotionally immature person always have to have a dust up or a row, or, you know, they talk about the narcissistic supply or why, you know, why, why can't they take ownership or why do they have to always have conflict? And I'm, I'm so grateful that you captured that because that I've never heard it put that way from the person themselves saying that I, I had to just get in it. I had to mix it up. It's like the Tasmanian devil. And I had to, and I had to either hurt somebody or I had to be hurt. And then I feel like that's the way the emotionally immature narcissist ha- gets their sense of self is through those mm-hmm. kind of interactions, which leaves other people that are, that I call them the pathologically kind in this position where they feel like, oh my gosh, that, you know, what's wrong with me that I can't be heard or seen or I'll keep trying. And then the person like Joyce, that's the way that she interacts. That's the dynamic I see so often with the work I do. And so the more that the person tries to give them the aha moment, the more the person in Joyce's position says, but this is the way I interact. And that is this, I, that, that's just such a destructive, you know, relationship model. And so I think you're, you're, you know, showing that alone and us talking about it, I think is going to really help a lot of people. So I appreciate Mm. you showing that. She's a really challenging character in, um, in the movie, but she's also really giving a character in the movie and, I am really appreciative of of what she continued to give. I think that my role w- with her in the making of the movie was was helping her f- be seen, you yeah. know, and and which is a really hard one for somebody with with those really big defense mechanisms and yeah. um and there's so many protections, you know, we all have so many protections, but I think she's somebody that's got really heavy protections and yeah. for her to let me in was such a gift. I'm really appreciative. Well, and, and that's where, and I appreciate you saying that. Cause I, I mean, by me saying this and it, if it sounds like I'm saying, I can't believe it. It's like, no, I've never seen it given the voice like that. And I made a decision early on in the waking up the narcissism podcast to talk about, you know, narcissistic personality disorder is a very small percentage of people. But I said that we're all emotionally immature you know, until, until we're not. And I feel like that's, what's brought a lot of people to the podcast is the ability to maybe do a little more self-confrontation if they can see themselves as more emotionally immature, you know, cause nobody wants to be told they're a narcissist. But then if we're, if we're looking at emotional immaturity, I, that's where I feel like, man, people are going to hear that quote alone and, and they're going to say, I do that. And so that might be the start of a little more self-confrontation. And then mm-hmm. here we've talked about throughout our interview here and your movie, a lot of concepts around discomfort. And that's where I feel like, man, if we don't bring awareness to that, you know, but now all of a sudden we just equip people with tools about discomfort, generational trauma, and the way that people interact in a negative pattern. So that's where I'm like, man, read, let's change the world, my friend, like, well Mm. done. And that's why I really, I love the movie. So I I can't recommend it enough. Thank you so much. That was really well put. And yeah, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing making this. I, I just, I was just like kind of following one, one bit of curiosity to the next. And yeah. I love all the, I love all my family members and there's a lot of wisdom that they bring. You know, my grandmother brings this amazing piece of, of acceptance into the yeah. story too, which is a whole <laughs> other piece. And it's like, you know, we got to stuff you're talking about. It's like, how do we be more accepting of ourselves? How do we yep, be yep. more accepting of others? And yeah. all these lines, you know, a mother cannot leave her kids. Right. You know, like there's all yeah. these lines that exist in the world. And like, yeah. why are we so hard on mothers? Like, why is it okay for fathers to do that? Like, yeah. um, oh. oof, there's, there's all these pieces and it's like, okay, if society or your families have these narratives what narratives are we stuck with individually, you know? Yeah. Um, and then we, and you just help bring a lot of that, you know, we talk about the shadow work, bringing it out of the shadows into the light. And that's where, where people can start to, to change. So I, I see this as so significant. So yeah. uh, Reed, I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on. I'd love to have you come back sometime. Yeah. It was really great talking to you. Thank yeah. you for, like you said, doing the preparation work and getting, oh, you know, bringing, I, it, was, it was a yeah. joy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd love to meet you in person sometime and thanks for the work you do and tell Sam that I'm, I'm grateful. And even and again, that quote from Joyce, I mean, that's going to help people. It really is. So I appreciate that. Thank you, okay. Tony. Great to that. What a joy. Okay. Well, okay. I have all the links to everything in all the show notes. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. Okay.
Bye. Great, take care. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that interview with Reed. And I realize now as I'm looking over my Google document that this almost needs to be a a director's cut or something that you would put on the DVD. I don't know if there are DVDs anymore, but on streaming and you could maybe put a separate audio track on and, and just listen to some commentary. Because if you haven't seen the movie, this might seem a bit out of context. But I'll just take you on my train of thought on a few different things now. There were scenes where there was a lot of conversation after Joyce had disappeared by the family, by the adults in the family. And again, the journey was Reed and Sam. But here are some of the things that I took down that I just thought were interesting. There was an interview with the the other brother, Jared, and he said that they, I forget, I believe it was Reed who said, does it feel like she doesn't care? And he said sometimes, but it just doesn't fit because she never acted this way before. And that's one of those, there was so much where I was very curious about the concepts around confabulated memory. Did Jared need it to have not made sense? And and were there really no signs that she seemed that disengaged or had been checked out maybe of the relationship, of her marriage, of her life that allowed her to be able to escape? There was an interview with Joyce's mom. I just put grandma. When Joyce first left, we never brought it up. And then they turned to a cousin, Ned. The way the situation with Joyce has been dealt with, it hasn't been dealt with. It seems malicious, and the kids will be dealing with this for the rest of their lives. And then an aunt said, I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And then uh, there was a concept where, I forget who said it, but said the best thing for Randy, who was the dad, to do was to ignore it. And then they cut to Randy, and he said she was a good mother to her kids. And then I put in here my own commentary, other than the fact that she disappeared off the face of the planet. But Randy at one point also said, I didn't realize how much Jared needed his mother, Sam too, but I just really had no desire to interact with her. And there were a couple of other things I thought that we didn't get into. We talked about when they met her at a restaurant, she said, I had no control. This is a way to control my relationship with the kids. I had to save myself. I had to get out of the, I had to get out of the control of everybody else. And it was difficult, but it was more difficult to not leave, she said. And she said, I'll go down in history as the woman who broke a lot of rules, but I'm happy. At one point, Reed was talking with Sam and Reed said, I don't think she really needed to leave you guys. I don't think you have to believe that she did the right thing because she didn't. But Sam said, I don't think there's a lot to be gained from thinking that she did the wrong thing. And I thought that that was really interesting. The therapist in me said, okay, Reed is saying, hey, we can have some acceptance here that she didn't need to leave you. And and perhaps it wasn't the right thing, but... And I work with people a lot where we talk about acceptance, acceptance and commitment therapy, acceptance that happened and not even trying to make as much sense or meaning out of it. So we can just accept it and then move forward. And then Sam, I think, was almost throwing a little bit more of a cognitive behavioral therapy spin on here, which I can appreciate right now where he was saying, "Okay, I don't think there's a lot to be gained from thinking that she did the wrong thing. So in his mind, maybe that needed to be the you know what she did the best she could, which is is really a change your thoughts and leads to different emotions and behaviors kind of a vibe. There was the powerful part that I wanted to talk with Reed a little bit more was when he was interviewing Sam later, I think 10 years later. He said, uh, even finding her, the connection is severed. And he said, later in my adult life, I found that I was concerned about me abandoning somebody and that I have abandonment issues. So Sam himself started talking about how he recognized that these abandonment issues were starting to pop up in his adult relationships. And he said, Joyce's mom abandoned her. She did what she could. So some of the backstory is Joyce was adopted as a baby. And so I wondered, and this is the part that this is just me speculating, that her mom actually abandoned her. But then at one point, Joyce said she did what she could and it was okay. She said it really was okay. There's no way that I could ever tell her though about my childhood because it would be too awful. And then Joyce talked about her adopted mom and they interviewed her in the movie. And Joyce said, my mother and I never got along. We were always at odds. I always knew I was adopted. I was always reminded that they had the option of sending me back to eat fish heads and rice back at the orphanage, and they leveraged it all throughout my childhood. And then, and I thought it was such good filmmaking, Reed cuts directly to then an interview with with Joyce's uh, adopted mom, grandma, and Joyce's mom said, you know, we really have no regrets. We never looked at her as being adopted. She was just one of the kids. And, and I just thought that was so interesting. 
But I, I just, I could go on, but I highly do recommend the film and I recommend that you rent it, buy it and jot down some notes and send them in and let's have a, let's have a little bit of a book club or a movie club because I think that this hits on so many different themes from abandonment and attachment to families that just don't deal with a lot of discomfort or pain. And I don't know how brave the kids were to try and, and figure out this, what happened to Joyce. Read toward the end said something that I thought was brilliant. And then we'll wrap things up. Reed said, we replay our same scenes over and over. Everybody is playing up their own version of a story that came before. And then I think I put, it takes severe trauma to cause people to go get the help to try and stop the cycle or change the cycle. If Reed said that, then Reed, that's an even better quote than I thought it was. But I believe that he said that thing that we play up the own version of the story that came before. And I think I was putting in the notes, uh, the part about that it really does take something like this, but then people have to go get help to start to change the dynamics in a, in a family to, to cause that generational healing. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I really hope that you will go watch the movie, send me your comments, your feedback, and taking us out per usual is the wonderful, the talented Aurora Florence with her song, It's Wonderful, and we will see you next time on The Virtual Couch. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter